Hello and welcome to For the Emperor Podcast. I am your host Richard, joined this week by Stuart only, as James is committed to other things outside of this podcast. Stuart, how are you? Not bad at all. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. You have just returned from Nottingham, is that correct? Yeah, down at Warhammer World. Is there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and for a few hours on Monday morning. So how'd that go for you? It was good. It was good. Went down, they had the release of this the new Orc standalone game, Speed Freaks. Yeah, I was going to mention that to you. I just seen that today, and I figured it'd be something to talk maybe more about uh, reviewing the Orc book. Well, at the weekend, uh, the, the Speed Freaks came out, and on Sun, no, on Saturday, they also put up the pre-order for Codex Orc. So the Orc players have been waiting for this codex since the start of 8th edition, which was last June, I think. Last June, July. So Orc players have been waiting for a codex now for a long time. And historically, when you look back at Warhammer, there was a point where the Orc were the main bad guy. We're talking like, you know, Rogue Trader, 1st edition, 2nd edition, the original Warhammer. Way back then, the Orc were the big bad. Chaos was, you know, almost like an uprising faction. You know, obviously there's a big bit of story behind them, but they work with the big bad. And as the stories progressed, Chaos, Tyranid, you know, the, all the all the new races, or all the races that the, were in the background have came to the forefront. And Orc are, and as far as the fluff goes, they're not really mentioned anymore. Like, you know, they're around, obviously, and people know they're there, but they're more of a nuisance than an actual threat. There's not been, you know, one of the big wars for Armageddon in, in, in a long time. The, the Orc players have been waiting for this codex for a long while. And the, the big driving point behind the 8th edition was the, the Eye of Terror spilling into the galaxy and chaos going full, full rampant mode. The, the Demon Primarch's coming back. It's all been chaos. And, you know, for chaos player, players, that's great. You know, you've had your Thousand Suns, you've had your Death Guard, you've got a reasonably good Codex Chaos. But the, the Orc players are still waiting for this Codex to hit if you're an Orc player. Like, like one of the guys in our gaming group. That kind of sucks. So you make, you make a good point there. It's something I noticed when I was looking at... So I saw the, the post about Speed Freak and I thought, okay, we'll put, I'll make a mental note of that. We'll bring it up here, but we're really going to it more with a dissected the Orc Codex. And I can't help but look at it and just feel like the Orc are, like the Mad, are basically being inspired by like Mad Max Fury Roads. Yeah. And it made me start to think... Because I remember when Tau first came out, one of the big issues we had... I, I, I believe we, uh, using the Royal We, if you just you didn't agree, feel free to jump in. But was they just they just looked out of place. Like Tau didn't really look as if they fitted in towards this whole universe, the, the sort of aesthetic they had been going for. And seeing the new models for the Orc and how they're sort of being set up, it makes me feel like you mentioned there, they don't really fit into the overall story. It, it, it feels more like you're starting to get this core group of races and armies like your sp- space marine and chaos space marine is obviously your your good versus evil your jedi sith you know that's your that's your backbone of the whole mythos and mythology and everything in the background and then you've got your tyranids and then you've got your eldar playing their part you've now got dark eldar which fits into the branch of eldar but it's yeah you're right i mean the first time we got it in second you got it in second edition it was somebody got orc somebody got space marine here you go and now it just feels like they're they're reaching that sort of tertiary mode. Yeah, I mean, th- there's obviously been books wrote about massive orc incursions. Last year, they done a 12-part book series called The Beast Arises, which was set, 
a few hundred years or a thousand odd years after the heresy and it was about a massive galactic wide war that almost threatened it was the second biggest threat the Imperiums had short of the heresy itself and I won't say any spoilers for the books in case anybody's still reading them but in that series of books it establishes various points and, and, and you know there's a couple of neat tie-ins to the current world of Warmer 40,000 but ever since then the only thing the orcs have done as a footnote or as a, a, a established point is they've attacked and bounced off Armageddon twice. Armageddon's had a third war. Uh, the first one was Chaos, the second two were orcs, and the third, the second two, Gaskell Thrakath launched a massive orc invasion of Armageddon and bounced off, and he's kinda, we're expecting him to be back any minute now sort of thing, but the orc just seem to be a galaxy-wide threat. They're always around. They're always good to be shot up with bolt guns for, you know, any budding space marines wanting to get a few kills. But it's not like, at the moment, the big drive seems to be the return of Chaos, the return of the Demon Primarchs, the return of Roboti Gilliman and all that, and the big drive of Imperium vs. Chaos, which is, again, seen in the new starter pack, the the, the original, the, the main starter pack, uh, Dark Millennium. You get, I was going to say, you've got a few other box kits at the moment, but they are like Gene Steeler Cult Space Marine or Primaris or Eldar vs Primaris but the Orc don't at the moment have a box kit or like a Force v Force setup. This Speed Freaks while it, you know it, it's a standalone game so people who want to play that it kind of harkens back to the old days of Gorka Morka where it was more or less like Orc racing so the whole concept of all sorts of orc contraptions and buggies and bikes doing racing. That's our old, old throwback to way, way back, you know, before even like sort of second edition era. It was really sort of first edition where you had this Gorka Morka racing game. Nowadays, the orc buggy kit has not been available for ages. Like people have been kit bashing them out of land speeders and chimeras with wheels and anything they can get their hands on. You know, I suppose it's kind of like an orc, but this is the orc are now getting a series of new buggies, which which is cool because it's something the orc, the orc haven't had much in the way of models recently. To be fair, nobody has since the start of eighth. Yeah. Do you feel that orc are now being positioned? Like I'm thinking, Space Marine. Your counterpoint is Chaos Marine. Yeah. You know, you've got your Primarchs, Demon Primarchs and that. Eldar, it's Dark Eldar. And then you've got, like, the Harlequins kind of thrown in. Now you're getting this fun race of Eldar kind of coming out the woodworks. Yeah, the Eldar of the Dead or whatever they're called. Well, yeah, you've, you've, got, the, you've got the Harlequin, you've got the Yunari, yeah, you've got the Dark Eldar, you've got the Craft World Eldar. And do you think that Orc are sort of being positioned as the counterpoint to, say, Guardsmen? They've sort of been... Di- been Downgraded from primary four to now just not to not to you know downplay the importance of the guardsman army or anything like that, but you know it's just kind of being your bread and butter space marines. Yeah, if you want to say that space marines are your you know your front line and they're against chaos at all times. Yeah, you you know you could maybe draw some parallels between the guard and orc. There's there's a lot of good stories and books around the guard fighting orc, and that's where the guard are taking on things that are more or less like. Space Marines, you know, they're, they're as big as a Space Marine, sometimes as tough as a Space Marine. You know, their LAS guns almost bounce off or mildly irritate them at times. And the guard have to outthink the orc or lure them into areas and then just shell the, just shell it to death. But I don't think every race has a, a, a tie-off. I don't think every race has a yin-yang. No? No. So, orc was a big deal down in Warhammer World Dead. Yeah. 
the on the week build up to the release, oh sorry, the pre-order for the Codex, they started previewing the orc cultures. So an orc, an orc culture is similar to a chapter tactic. Different clans have different cultures, you know, as in different chapters have different tactics or legions have traits. Um, so th- th- they've started announcing them again. This is another. Uh, you know, another great thing about 8th edition, in days gone by, you would have 17 different codexes for Space Marines, and they all had different flavours and varieties, and Orc were Orc, Chaos were Chaos, Tyranid were Tyranid. Now every army, the vast majority of the armies, are getting chapter traits, for lack of a better term. So the Orc have, they've had their chapter traits announced, they've got, I think it's 6, which, no, 7, 7, sorry, it was 7, and th- they're quite good. It, it, if you want to build your force as a, a fast attack force, like a lot of those buggies, the go-to would be Evil Sons, normally with the red armour, you know, red goes faster. Then there's the, the Bad Moon, uh, Freebooters, Death Skulls, so they've got a lot of the Orc clans from back in the day are coming back with now rules and traits. They're going to have relics, they're going to have stratagems, so that's quite cool. Quite, it's quite good to see that. I mean, just briefly, is there anything that you've seen as someone who would be playing against or you're looking at like, and we're getting to this more when we get the Kodaks and properly delve into it a little bit more, but is there anything just on the surface you're looking and thinking, oof, that looks a bit of a, that's going to be a bit of a pain? Yes, good God, yes. The, the death, death skull, so we'll quickly cover this one. This is all up in the community site, but in short, the Death Skulls have a culture called Lucky Blue Gits. Their colours blue, as you may have guessed. So every single model in a Death, Skull, Death Skulls army has a six-up invulnerable wow. because they're lucky. In addition to that, every single squad can re-roll a single hit roll, a single wound roll, and a single damage roll for every shooting attack they do and for every fight phase attack they do. So you're going to be talking about, you know, let's say 10 orc firing shooters, so that's 20 shots. You're hitting on fives, you're not going to get a lot of hits, but you can get a free re-roll of one of those, so that's good, you know. You, you can, you know, you're going to be missing some, so you're going to get a wee cheeky re-roll in there. Then you get your ones that hit strength four, let's say space minis, toughness four, so it's fours to wound. You're only going to get half of them, but you're going to get a free re-roll as well in the wound phase, and then if it's a wound, if it's a weapon with a randomly generated uh, a dice roll um, damage trait, you can re-roll that as well. So on top of all that, they also have all their infantry units have the objective secured esque rule. So just to let you know what that is, in the current edition, say you're playing Space Marines, all your troop choices have objective secured. So if you have one Space Marine holding a point and someone comes along and t- tries to take it off you with, let's say, uh, two squads of enemy Terminators, their elites, a single troop choice controls a, a, an objective. As long as he's, you know, within, you know, the, the three-inch capture zone of an objective, a troop choice will hold an objective above everything else. If you had one Space Marine on it, and I had two Space Marines on it, uh, Tactical Marines, sorry, my two trump your one, but if, I, if I've if i got, if you've got one Tactical Marine on it, and I've got five Terminators on it, your Tactical Marine will hold the objective. It's made to be a mechanic to let troops have a battlefield role. They, they dominate and secure whole point, while your elites go and do the killing and heavies do the fire support. Death Skulls, every infantry model has objectives secured. So their commandos have it, their heavy support teams have it. As long as they're infantry, they've got they've all got it, which is quite powerful. Uh, the only other army that gets that is custodians. Let, let, let's just let's just think about that for a second. Yeah, because custodians don't really have Johnny Basic. They're all they're all elites. 
yeah, you know, the, the custodians do have fast attack, they do have uh, elites. I don't actually think custodians have a heavy support custodian model. Like, they've got heavy support dreadnoughts and land raiders, but I don't think they actually have a heavy support custodian. But uh, anyway, you, you know, custodian elites, custodian fast attack, they all hold an objective, same as these guys. So that... I think that's going to be quite tasty. So what other kind of stuff did you find down in Nottingham? What exactly did you spend your hard-earned money on? Because I know that you never go out in Nottingham and return empty-handed. You're going to be really disappointed. I bought an Imperial Guard Chimera. Not a Chimera, sorry. A uh, Manticore. So the Manticore is the missile, you know, the uh, artillery missile tank. You, you can't get them in the shops. How come? I don't know. The, on the website, they're marked as web, or, web order only, but they sell them over the counter in Warhammer World. So I went in, and they were just sitting on the shelf, and I got one. Uh, I've been looking for one for about six months. The Manticore can be built as a Manticore or a Deathstrike launcher, and they've done a Warhammer community article on the Deathstrike missile launcher about how, how deadly it can be. And I read it and thought, oh, this looks quite cool, and that got me interested in it. I started reading up on it. I was going to get it and build a Deathstrike, and then read about the Manticore instead. Done some napkin math, and I think that the Manticore is a better choice, so I'm going to build this as a Manticore launcher. Why do you think the Manticore is a better choice? Without going through the sort of hard math, I think you get more wounds as the game progresses, as opposed to a single massive amount of wound one hit. The Deathstrike is a sing- you know, it's like a Scud launcher, it's a single massive missile, and when it hits, it's mortal wound, we'll see if it's possible. You can even spend command points and turn it into a Vortex missile. It gets ridiculous at that point, does lots of damage, but at best, you're only ever going to cause 18 wounds. So it's a, it's a heavy 3d6 weapon. So you have to randomly generate how many shots it gets, you roll 3d6, work out how many shots you got, then roll to hit. So it's guard, so we're talking four up. So even at best, you're going to roll 666 for the, the number of shots, that's 18. 50% chance of that, that drops it to nine. That's nine mortal wounds, and nine mortal wounds on anything will hurt. Yeah. But once that happens, the tank becomes a mobile heavy a mobile heavy bolter, because it's got no other use. It can only fire one of these missiles. Right, okay. And you can't actually decide when to fire it. Well, it's one of these things where there's a, there's a, again, a launch mechanic where you have to roll a dice and add the battle, the, the current turn, and you have to roll eight or higher. So you could sit even on turn five and you're rolling a one and a two. Well, not a two would do it, I suppose, but you know, no, one and two is up to seven. So you could go a whole turn and this thing never clears itself to launch. Whereas a Manticore has four rockets. Each of them are strength 10, 2d6. I think that's over the course of a game. That's going to cause more damage to an enemy, and it's going to be more reliable. That's fair enough strategy. So, to obviously, never got a chance to use the Manticore down in Nottingham. What did you? What games did you play? What did you use? On Friday, I've ran my Imperial Guard. I got battered to death. How are you fighting? It was myself as Imperial Guard and my friend Bob, who was playing Orc, bit of an odd alliance against two Primaris Space Marine armies, and we just got battered. Absolutely battered. The the Primaris had Hellblasters out. They had what's known as a Slam Captain. So it's a Blood Angel Captain with a Storm Shield and a Jump Pack and a Thunder Hammer. And his job is just to jump into the middle of the your army and just start windmilling through it with a hat with a Thunder Hammer. Sounds good. So yeah, I lost a tank to that. Oh. Yeah, he just ran straight into a Lehman Russ and battered it to death in one turn. Oh, that's demoralising. We, we more or less, we got to turn, I think, three or four, and we knew it was, it was a lost cause, so we just conceded. It was, it was a, a done game. On Saturday, uh, I played my Grey Knights, and that went very differently. Myself and a guy down south who plays Custodians, so it was Grey Knights and Custodians. Yeah, I was gonna say, that just sounds a bit like we're stacking the deck. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we wanted to try it. 
Grey Knights and Custodians against two Space Marine armies. One was Black Templar again, another one was Blood Angels, same Blood Angels that I fought the day before, and they got hammered, absolutely hammered. The Black Templars have their own codex still, or are they a combined one? If you wanted to play Black Templars, you buy Codex Space, they're in that. Right. But again, like I mentioned before about the chapter tactics, there's Black Templar chapter tactics. The Black Templar still get Crusader Squad, you still get Black Templar Stratagem, Relics, so you can play a fully functional Black Templar army. They've even got like the rules about they can't have librarians and things like that. So that's all cool. They You, you can run a, a, a fully functional Black Templar army. You just don't have to buy your own codex. Yeah. How many how many chapters do you get in just codex space marine? About seven. Yeah, so Space Wolf, Blood Angel, Dark Angel, Ultramarine. No, no, space Wolf, Blood Angel, Dark Angel are all in their own books. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So Ultramarines are in the, the Space Marine book. Yeah, yeah, figures. So Ultramarine, Raven Guard, Iron Hand, Black Templar, Raven Guard, Salamanders, missing a few obviously, but yeah. All the first founding are there, apart from the Dark Angels and Blood Angels and Space Wolf. Right, they get their own. Yeah, they get their own. That's a pretty cool one. It's also £10 dearer than every other Codex. Eh, still. Codex Chaos Marine, or Codex, whatever they call it, Heretic Astartes. That's got, apart from the Thousand Sun and Death Guard, it's got all the Traitor Legion, and that's only, that's £10 cheaper than Codex Space Marine. But it is visibly different in size. Thousand Sun got their own Codex. Oh yeah. Thousand Sons are a fully functional army by themselves. See, this is my curiosity, and I think I've mentioned this before, it's how they're starting to pad out certain things. Obviously, Thousand Sons are going to get get their own codex because, or codex, whatever, however you want to pronounce it, before people get annoyed. So they've got their own because they're basically the space maze of Techniche. Yeah. You've got the Death Guard for Nurgle. Yep. Is it World Eaters for Core? Yep. So they've got their own codex? No. Ah. They are in Codex Chaos Marine. So are the Noise Marines from the Emperor's Children. Yeah, I figured that, I knew that it's slash, I think a bit of a I figured that they didn't have anything. I wonder why they just chose, I suppose because they two have obviously got their Primarchs as well, the Demon Primarchs. So on the on the Primark front, there's a new game coming out, or, or it's, I think it's going to be a standalone kit for Age of Sigmar called Wrath and Rapture. That's for Slanish, isn't it? Slanish, I think yeah. it's Slanish Corn go toe-to-toe. Ah, but, okay. but in the Age of Sigmar world, as far as I know, I don't really sort of follow it too closely. Slanish hasn't been around since Age of Sigmar began. Yeah. There's some story about how the el- the elf or the elf gods have managed to imprison Slanish, and the horned rat from Skaven has joined the the pantheon of the four. So that's now the fourth chaos god. That's an interesting little twist. Yeah. But what we've got now happening is with, with if Wrath and Rapture returns, there's already been a leaked model of one of the new Slanish fiends. So Slanish demons are getting new model kits. If Slanish demons are getting new model kits, there is speculation that this might lead to a new resurgence in 40k as well. In a lot of the fluff around the, the you know, the return of Gilliman and the Gathering Storm and all that, one one of these, you know, one of these like side stories in the one of the codexes or the storybooks that mentions it was like a comms report from I mean, a guardian that got wiped out and they reported seeing a giant serpentine serpentine creature which sounded like Fulgrim and in one of the one of the latest chaos books it might have been either the attack in the fang the the space wolf it escapade there or one of the thousand sun stories but there was a, a, a an art a piece of art 
And in the background of this warp storm, you can see a real four-armed serpent figure. And again, that is similar to the way people describe Fulgrim before he vanished. So it seems to be Fulgrim still there in the background. And if they're getting new Slanish demons, the suggestion may be we might be looking at Codex Emperor's Children, maybe? How do you balance that out when it comes to corn? I know you've got Karn, but is he really going to stack up to a firework? No, Karn won't. Karn, you know, if if you're talking up a pure Thousand Sun Force, you need to throw, I don't know, a Demon Prince or two, uh, a Primark to slow them down. But when they, you know, I I reckon they're all going to get their own book, and when they get their own book, you're going to be looking at the return of Angron. Ah, right. Well, wait, does he not... Did Karn not take his axe? Karn... Angron, before he ascended, had two axes, Gore Father and Gore Child. Right, okay, yeah. I knew, I knew there was two axes. I thought he had the, the big axe. Okay, so you're going to have him come back with Gore, uh, Gore Father? No, because when he ascended, he realised he didn't need a mortal weapon. And I think he just uses the Black Blade, which... Oh, wait. I think the Black Blade got shattered by Grey Knights during the first Battle of Armageddon. So... If he comes back, he, you know, he, he'll have another weapon. It's, we're talking about corn. The guy's got an infinite supply of them. Yeah. But I think Gorefather. I'm sure Gorefather's in the game somewhere. It's like it's a relic weapon for chaos or something. I'm sure that have heard it mentioned on something before, yeah. Well, Karn uses Gorechild. Yes. And he runs around with that, lobbing heads off left, right and centre. Yep. I can't remember where I've heard of Gorefather. Like, I'm sure there was rules for it or something. The, the, the chaos corn weapon. Is the axe of blinding fury, so it's not Gorefather. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, I can see that they're expanding it and they're trying to give each of these, you know, they're trying to balance. To me, it feels as if they're trying to balance everything out, so or at least tie it together. So you've got your your sort of four chaos factions and your four main space marine factions, accountants, ultramarines, blood angels, dark angels, space wolves. Space wolves go up against Thousand Sun. Okay. Death Guard. Who would they go up against out of the three remaining? Do you think they have it? I'm a no, big talking rubbish here. A bit. So in in the books at the moment, there's a big rivalry between Mortarian and uh, Roboti Girlman. They've squared off against each other. The the starting box kit is you know is generic Primaris, but it's meant to be Ultramarine Primaris against Death Guard. Right. Okay. So you kind of you kind of get that one. Blood Angels would have to go up against World Eaters. That's a possible. But yeah, maybe that's what. Corn has been intended because Corn kind of saved the Blood Angels. I'm just thinking Dark Angels are obviously all about their secrets. Is Slanish not the Keeper of Secrets or something, or is that Tetchnich? Slanish the Keeper of Secrets. Yep. Yeah, and Dark Angels are all about their dirty little secrets. I don't, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think you're going to have just st- pair offs. I mean. You can have pair-offs from the Chaos side as an internal war, because oh, yeah, gods, yeah, have, yeah. gods have direct rivalries, but I don't think you're going to have direct pair-offs from, you know, Chapter to Legion. Yeah, probably. I'm just thinking in my head, if you did World Eaters to Blood Angels, then both of them could not have their Primark, since, you know, Sigmarius ain't coming back anytime soon, or ever. You say that, but he is the, you know, the 40k equivalent of Space Dracula. He's came back more times than Optimus Prime. So... How else was that them for you? Yeah, it was good. Um, we, we, we played a few games of Kill Team. Oh, funny we should talk about that. How'd that go? It was good. I got my uh, Dark Eldar out. They've got 
a lot of boards, or they've got a whole sort of pod of boards with quite good terrain on it for uh, for Kill Team, quite indoory. And they've used the Zone Mortalis boards and added a bit of you know over the shop counter kits on top of them, which is quite a cool touch. You've already planned your mix visit down there? Not yet. The the we we talked about it. We tried to find out dates of when we could do it, but because th- there's two issues here. One of them is Warhammer World have started releasing their event calendar annually, which is great because it means we can plan more than like three or four months ahead. But they've not released next month, next year's calendar. It, they've got the calendar up to December, so we don't want to pick a weekend. Everybody books holidays and weekends and um, hotels, and then we find out they're running a you know, a black library event and all the tables are packed away. So we need to wait till the the start of the new year when they publish a new calendar. The second issue, and this is something we only found out recently, is as of the end of November, Warhammer World will no longer let you book a table. Oh. What I got told down there was you can't book a table because the event events team wants to have as many tables as they can get their hands on. And what's apparently been happening is people are coming booking tables, then the events team try and organise something and realise that they can't get as many tables as they want because, you know, people have booked those tables. Now, when I tried to book this this trip, what they said to me was none of the standard 6x4 realm of battle tables are available. You can have three Necromunda boards for you know, Necromunda or for Kill Team. And I thought, right, you know what, that'll do. And we booked, I booked three three of these smaller tables. When we went down there, there was a two a two v two Throne of Skills event going on, but there was empty tables all around the place. There's a whole row of empty tables. So we went, we said to the guys in the shop, "Can we grab one of those tables?" They double checked it with the events team and said, "Away you go, that's fine." We got two tables actually. We ended up playing two games of Warhammer at the same time. But I don't know how that's going to affect the next time we want to go down. If I'm uh, having to phone them up in advance and say, "Do you think you're going to have three tables?" Another suggestion has been both by the guys down there and. The, the staff in the shop is contact the events team directly because normally these trips that we do to Warhammer World it's not just me and you know Bob or me and James it's me and there's about you know between the local guys and the guys that travel to it there's normally about 10 of us who go so if there's about a group of 10 of us going we don't even need you know five boards we're never, we're never, we won't be running two a one v one at all times. We need two, maybe three tables, and at the size of the hall they've got, sparing two or three tables wouldn't be much of a bind. Yeah, I just need to hope that other people aren't going down and trying to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and that this is why the suggestion that they've given is we go in and sorry, we, we contact the events team up beforehand and say this is what's happening. We're going to have ten people down there for the day. Can you put two or three tables aside for us? Is that something you can do? I've not tried it yet. I don't know if they're immediately just going to go no chance, first come, first served. But even on that, we are always, I mean, the place opens at 10 in the morning and we're normally sitting in the car park for 5 to. So if that means just getting somebody to run in and dive on a table until the rest of us get up there with all the kit, we'll just do that. So the experience overall was pretty fun then? It was good. It was very good. It was a good weekend. Did you get to try any of your new stuff? Is there any new stuff that you unveiled? The guys down there didn't know I had Grey Knights at all. So that was a bit of a surprise when I turned up with an entire Grey Knight army. They obviously don't listen to podcasts. They obviously don't listen to podcasts. Um, the the very first thing my Grey Knight army done was my Dreadnought cast Astral Aim on itself. I then fired a twin-linked LAS cannon through two buildings behind a land raider, hit another Dreadnought, blew it up and killed it in one turn. The Dreadnought detonated and damaged all the land raiders sitting around it. So you shot round this building like Dark Side's Omega Beam? Yes. My point, my you know, my... 
faster than light laser cannon focused energy weapon bent round two buildings and a land red or hit a dreadnought huh that's novel that's great night for you you were complaining last time about how they've been nerfed I don't really see how the ability to use the Omega Beam is nerfing the fact so the the, the, the reason I could do that was because I, I cast a psychic power called Astrolame which which says summarised you don't need line of sight to fire your weapon right you can just fire now th- that used to be an, like a not wasn't a psychic power it was a natural ability for purgators where they just didn't need line of sight but they could only do it on themselves it was just a natural thing they didn't need line of sight they could just shoot in the new codex for Grey Knights it's a standard Grey Knight psychic power but the way because we play match rules I can only cast that psychic power once which you could say is a balancing mechanic and it, it, it probably is but only one of my squads can benefit from no line of sight required but on top of all that I still hold by my point about not having any Primaris Marines or only having access to one discipline of psychic powers or being you know spending like 50% more points for a space marine who's just as killable as a normal space marine all these points still hold true so I'm assuming the girlfriend was happy when you came back and hadn't broke the bank and you just bought your your one little tank yes 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 I I spent my pocket money wisely how long do you think it's going to take you to paint that up it's already in the garage with a quota primer on it. Is it? Yeah, I built it today. Ah, nice. So no, no other purchases? No. I had in my hand at one point I had a Grey Knight, I had the, the new, well the new, the, the Grey Knight Grandmaster Voldus kit. I had Inquisitor Greyfax and I had a squad of custodians in hand. I was ready to buy all, all of it, but I decided not. I've already got three Grandmasters or three HQ choices for my Grey Knights. I've got Kaldor Drago, I've got a Nemesis Dread Knight uh, Grandmaster, and I've got a generic Terminator HQ choice, which I can proxy in for whatever I want. I don't really need another one. The Inquisitor, I decided not to, because while it looks like a really cool model, I would need to play some sort of Inquisition army, and at the moment, because we play with match rules, there isn't an Inquisition army worth playing. And the Custodians, if I'm being honest, I really am interested in, I really like to try and paint a Custodian, but watching them play at the weekend, I didn't like the playstyle. How come? What's their playstyle? Absolute winning. I, I didn't like the... Do you think it's just cheap? It's just like a cheap button? No, but I, I, you have to really try to kill a Custodian. Like, you know, you, you don't just accidentally drop a few frag grenades on him and he dies. You have to really try to kill a Custodian. You, you know, you you don't just fire a couple of bolters in and watch one or two of them die. You have to properly think about hitting them with rapid-fire heavy weapons or some sort of multi-wounding rapid-fire weapon and just hope for and wait a numbers to push through and get a couple of cheeky wounds on them. And also, from an army range, they only have infantry, really. They've got Terminators, basic dudes and veterans. They've got the jet bikes, but at the moment, uh, one, of the, one of the sort of more cheese lists that go around tournaments. So, you can have... The, the three units are just described you've got like if you want to call it basic custodians Terminator Custodians and Jetbike Custodians you can have a Shield Captain version of each of them. A Shield Captain is like their HQ choice. A Shield Captain on a Jetbike is ridiculous. He's really high toughness, really high wounds really high invulnerable, moves really fast, hits like a freight train and there's no, you know, he's got obviously a a points cost to him or a power level to him but at the moment there's a formation or a detachment you can run called a Supreme Command Detachment which is three HQ choices that's it and people run three HQ choices of three shield captains on jet bikes and they just hammer through things I at the game I played on Saturday I saw one shield captain on a jet bike tank three Land Raider Crusaders all shot at him at the same time and he took a wound so that's 
at close range, not not at long range. So that's something like 24 bolter shots each. So it's three times 24 bolter shots, three times 12 assault cannons, three times three multi-melters, and three times three hunter-killer missiles all fired at this guy, and he took a wound. That's pretty demoralising. It was... And this is part of the reason why I kind of shied away from trying custodians. I, I'm happy with the Grey Knights. The Grey Knights, you know, have an element of cheese. Yes, I can shoot lasers around corners. Yes, I can teleport half my army. But there is also areas where Grey Knights are really weak. I don't feel that the custodians have a weakness. Doesn't sound like they do. What, what they are missing is heavy weapons. Each of them are walking tanks, but they don't actually have much in the way of a heavy weapon. You, you don't get custodians carrying las cannons or, you know, things like that. If you're playing a custodian army, you, your primary goal is to get into close combat and then just blend everything you get, get to touch. For long range firepower, you normally thinking about taking an ally, Imperial Guard, a couple of tanks, Space Marine Squad with a couple of LAS cannons. You know, that sort of idea. You know, you, you rent your heavy support from somewhere else and just rely on getting your custodians into melee combat and then watching them blend through things. Did any of the other guys buy anything? Nothing ridiculous. Nobody bought any Titans. Nobody bought any uh, Forge World Knights. The orc player of the group bought uh, an orc mech boy, a quite a cool model, so he got that. Any nice stuff in Forge World? It's always nice stuff in Forge World. Uh, Thunderhawks, Stormbirds, all the... Uh, oh, I played um, Titanicus, that's another one. I got a demo game of Titanicus. What'd you think? Quick reaction? Not bad. More there's there's more to it than the the demo game I got. Obviously, you know there, there there's more to sort of get into it and, and play through it. But it seems like a fun game. But it's a long game. Long just a number of turns, or long just to get each turn done. Long as in you're you're dealing with titans, which are you know land battleships, and you are trading shots. It's not like Warhammer where you fire a las cannon at a tank, take off a chunk of wounds, fire another las cannon. And Eyes. Your warlord titans. It took maybe I don't I don't know maybe for like fifteen minutes of just me and the other guy just trading shots with warlord titans before one of us died. We weren't even moving. We were just standing in a street shooting each other. But then again, they are warlord titans, the toughest thing in the game. We'll probably be reviewing that at some point because I know James is looking forward to it. Interesting to see what the actual feedback is from James once he's got his teeth into it. So, you're down on Friday, you're down on Saturday, down on Sunday, back up Monday. Did you get your usual Monday leaving breakfast? Did indeed. Uh, Bugman's uh, full English breakfast. When's everyone getting together to play the next game of Warhammer? Is it this Sunday? No. Various engagements and things are on this Sunday, next weekend. We're looking at the weekend after that, so be like the sort of 17th, thereabouts. You hosted it? I might be. The, the the dining table finally turned up, so I now have a table big enough to support a Warhammer board. Ooh, get that big christened. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else you want to kind of cover? Yeah, so... There's been a lot of um, releases in the community site regarding the new standalone game, Warhammer 40,000 Quest. So the new game is Warhammer, they call it Blackstone Fortress, is it? Yeah, Warhammer Quest Blackstone Fortress. And it looks like this is going to be a exploring quest game, a standalone pack of a, a group of ragtag adventurers going through a Blackstone Fortress. So we've already had ro- a human rogue trader revealed as the human character. We know that there is a crute 
as in the mercenary race teams up with a Tau. That's another one of the playable characters. Okay. We think there's an Eldar Sniper, which is again about racist. You know, what do you see with your elven eyes, Legolas? And there's there's other things coming, like there's a big robot thing. We don't really know what that is. There's a few videos up of this showing you the sort of intro of it. So that's quite interesting. What we haven't seen yet is what you're fighting in there. Now, the videos don't show you anything yet, but a lot of the rumour sites are saying that it's going to be a chaos force that are in the Blackstone Fortress. And the rumour is it's going to be the first of the new chaos marines. Now, I don't know if that means Primaris chaos marines, or if that means just upsized models, or just a brand new, never-before-be-seen mould of a standard chaos marine. But the rumour is it's going to be a chaos element of the bad guys in the fortress. Hmm. So that should be quite good. You've got your potential Eldar sniper fitting the role of the elf from uh, Quest, the original one. Rogue tra- the rogue trader, he'd be... I'm guessing the barbarian, or, you know, he he's going to be the group leader. I mean, in the stories and the videos, he is definitely the leader. So what's the, the group dwarf? I don't know. It's not It's not four. There There's about six playable classes. Oh, okay. Or, or thereabouts. I don't have an exact number, but it looks like there's about six. That's interesting. Let me have a look into that then. And this is just going to play like a tile-based grid system where you just walk about, you just walk through and explore Alaquist? I would guess so. I don't know if it's going to be tile-based or hex-based, but I do think it will be a standalone kit that comes in a box. And it's a standalone game where you have a box and that's all the stuff you need there. You don't need to, you know, buy Warhammer boards and all that nonsense. It is a standalone game. I think it's like Quest in 40k. It's definitely interesting how they're really expanding into... They're just trying to diversify their gaming portfolio. So you've got this, you've got the Speed Freaks, you've got Kill Team, bringing back Nick, they've brought back Necromunda, they're bringing out Titanicus, they've got Space Hall. Definitely a lot more options and stuff going on. It's very much becoming a, a board game company. Or a games company. Late last year, they even released a game called Gangs of Camogra or whatever the Dark Eldar city's called. And that was just, that was the jet bikes versus the guys on the goblin gliders. Right. But again, for, for, for costing, it was the price of two packs of the jet bikes. But you got two jet bikes plus two sets of the goblin gliders. So it was actually really good. If you were doing Dark Eldar and you can get your hands on that, it's a really good pack. Cool. And the last thing is they've announced one of the things that's in. So every year they release what's called Chapter Approved. Chapter Approved has changes in points, changes, you know, uh, balancing tweaks to the game. And it's it's good that they, they keep that going every year. So they released it last year about December time. I had a bunch of um, new missions in it for both narrative and uh, match play games. It also had a, a, a series of point adjustments from, you know, even from codexes where certain things were seen to be too high costed and they've brought their points down. One or two things went up. But one of the things that they've done which was quite nice was they let you, for lack of a better term, build your own land raider. So you got the basic land raider hull, and then it gave you a variety of weapons that could go on the side doors, or the side points, a variety of weapons that could go on the front, and you could even put some extra guns on the other side doors, and depending on the weapons you put on it, it modified the transport capacity, so you could technically build your own land raider. Now, it did say in the rules that this is only for open play, which means you can only really use it when you're not playing a tournament game, or a, a match play game, but they done that. Last year, this year, it's orc looted vehicles. Mm. So the 
the speculation is going to be it's going to be something along the lines of you know a rhino chimera esque shape or, or or size, and then something a bit bigger, maybe a lemon rust a lemon rust tank, or I don't think it'll go up to land raider, but it'll be like a lemon rust or a chimera or, or rhino, and it'll be a case of you can put orc guns on it, and I'm get if it's the same mechanic, it's for every sort of gun you put on it, it lowers a set troop capacity, so it could be quite cool as an orc player to you know do a bit of kit bashing and build yourself a looted tank. Sounds interesting. Again, it wraps us up. Nicely, because we started off talking about Orc, and we're talking about Orc next time. I hopefully we're joined by James. And next time we'll also be able to talk about the actual Orc Codex, which we'll have with him. But until then, I'd like to say thank you, Stuart, for joining me tonight. Yeah, thank you. And on that note, I'll catch you later, bud. Have a good one. You do, bye.